At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Hey guys, it's Mark. And I'm Charity. And welcome to the Case Watch Podcast. Case Watch deals with content meant for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case Confirming the body found in Grand Teton National Park is Gabby Petito, and she was killed. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder. Late today, Chris Watts was officially charged with the murders of his wife and his two young girls. Remember these words. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Hi, this is Patsy from Romance, Arkansas, and you're listening to Case Watch. Hi, Patsy. It must be nice, Mark, to have an accent. I love her accent. I wish I had one. I know, right? I do love her accent. I actually, I when this it. came in, I have talked like Patsy all afternoon. I was Aww. like, I said, I was like, hi, Sophie. I'm Mark from New Hampshire. I feel like I, I love her accent. I love her accent. It just too. makes me happy. Yeah. I mean, not, not all accents are bad. Like people are like, oh, you're making fun of the accent. No, some are great. And they just put a smile on your face. Oh, I love it. Patsy's accent just did that to me. Like it made me have a better day. Same here. Thank Patsy, you, Patsy. Thank you so much. Guys, let's start right off the bat. A little bit of potato news. Uh, lawsuit has been filed against Brian Laundry's family. Basically, we're not going to get a ton into it, but the the TLDR, too long didn't read version of it because it is big. I, I think there's going to be a hard time here because there isn't actually any evidence that the Laundries did anything wrong or knew anything. I know. I mean, we all think that they're douchebags. Like that's, there's no ifs, ands or buts about it. But at the end of the day, it's like that movie that we had everybody watch. Yep. It's not what you know. It's what you can prove in court. Exactly. And it's sad in this case. And I feel horrible for the Petito family. I, I feel horrible for the laundry family. Like I said before, these are two families that didn't want any of this to happen. And now their whole lives are, are, up in the air. It's unacceptable, unbelievable. It's just, I don't know what else to say. I know. I don't think this case is going to go very far. Yeah. I think it will probably make it through the opening before it will get, you know, thrown out, but I think it's ultimately going to get thrown out. What are you, what are you thinking, Charity? Yeah, I don't know, Mark. I mean, I don't know if, I mean, like you said, that is so hard to prove. I mean, they would have to like 
have texts or, you know, I don't know how that can, can they even get a search warrant for that? Because it's, it's not a no, you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know how that works. Well, there was a lot, if you remember back, there was a lot of discussion when he was on his way back to Florida that was coming back and forth with a lawyer and with the family and stuff like that. A lot of that will still be attorney client privilege. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Mr. Bertolino does not answer our calls anymore. I don't think he's answering anybody's. I wonder if he could be called to the stand, though. I don't think he could. He's yeah. He was acting as an attorney at that point. That's true. I don't know how this works. I think they just, they just because there has been no justice, they probably just feel like they really have. This is their last attempt to. There's a couple videos on YouTube where some attorneys have broken down the, the lawsuit and the case and stuff like that. One attorney believes that while the case is without merit, there's probably enough to survive a motion to dismiss and move on to the discovery phase. The other attorney disagreed, stating that he didn't think it would even survive a motion to dismiss. Mm. And both attorneys basically went on to say that they think this is an information expedition, that they're basically trying to get more information of what happened. I say that I'm for. Oh, absolutely. This family should know every single bit of information they want to know. I agree. But I don't know how much Brian Laundry's family knows. I know. I don't know, guys. What do you think? I mean, it's sad all the way around. Puts you in the shoes of every single person in this. I know. It's a, it's a sad case. It's just it's, sad all around. It, it's, I don't know. I just feel like we'll never have the justice. We'll never have the closure. This case, I think out of all of them, a, this case helped launch Case Watch. True. But B, this case sits with me so hard just because at the end of the day, you have two people that were in their prime whose lives were just ended for no reason. For no reason. Absolutely zero reason. None at all. And there's no closure. There's no justice. There's no anything. It's nope. just a, I don't it's know. Senseless. It's unfortunate. Senseless. Yeah, there we go. Charity just put a word in my mouth that I couldn't come up with. It was senseless. Absolutely. I need a palate cleanser after that, guys. I really do. We'll follow along as things progress with that and keep you updated. Charity, I need some Triple D. Um, well, you know what, Mark? I have some. Thank the Lord. Here we go. A man in South Africa decided it would be amazing to steal a car. He found the perfect car sitting all by its lonesome worked his magic, and jimmied himself right in. Unfortunately for him, the car had an auto-lock system. As soon as he shut the door, he was locked in. Oh. He was seen yelling, let me out, let me out, as people walked by and laughed at him. The owner of the vehicle took one look at the man stuck in her car and called the police. <laughs> when the car was unlocked, the man was promptly arrested. You, sir. Ari douchebag. Yes. Definitely. That is awesome. That just like woke up a memory from years ago. Back in the day when I used to drive a tow truck, I remember getting called out to somebody who was locked out of their vehicle. So it's just common. Right. You know, it happens. It does. I've locked my keys in my car. Yeah. But I'm also smart enough to know when I lock the keys in a convertible, I just got to reach over the you know door because oh the top is down. Are you serious? Swear to God, Charity. No. I did a lockout on a convertible with the top down. Did you just simply reach? Reached over. I'm doing it right now with my yeah, hand. She does. She's making the same maneuver of me hitting Case yes, Watch Corporate. Like a claw. I just reached over, grabbed the knob, and pulled it up. So there you go. 
What did they what, what did they say? She looked at me and went, I feel really stupid right now. Oh. And I was like, it's okay. I get it. Your 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 mind is scatterbrained right yeah. now. Over the years I've done a lot of those. I've done a lockout on a vehicle that didn't have a window in the passenger side door. Yeah. Because people just freak out as soon as yes. they lock them in there. I also had people that were locked in a car because their battery went dead oh. and the button didn't work, oh. but they didn't realize that you could just push the knob oh. to get out. Oh, so they no. sat there in a rainstorm waited for us to come. Oh. Guys, oh. I got to know. All right. If you have ever encountered, we're not saying douchebags or any of that stuff. If you ever encountered something funny, let us know. Facebook and Instagram, Case Watch Podcast, Twitter, Case Watch Pod, text and voicemail line 603-212-4600. I want to hear your funny stories. Yes, I Enlighten do Enlighten us, because these just make my day when we get a funny story. We in. all have them. I mean, we've all done. Oh, God, I could go on for hours of the stupid stuff that oh, I've done. Oh, me too. Me and Charity did a podcast once, and I forgot to hit record. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it happens. Yeah. So let us know your stories. I didn't mean to hijack your segment, Charity, but that's just like woken a memory in me. So I have three more triple Ds, but the next two were sent in by our very own prestigious crime creeps. Excellent. This one was sent to us by Melissa. Thank you, Melissa. Thanks, Melissa. A 45-year-old Detroit man was arrested for allegedly shooting his neighbor in the face, killing him after a crazy argument. What was this argument about that led to one man losing his life? It must have been something serious for it to escalate that quickly, right, Mark? I this mean, is Detroit, so I'm going to say no. <laughs> okay, true. I, I just spent a month in Detroit That's last true. year. That's true. The reason one man is in jail and another is dead is because they had really, really different opinions on what flavor Kool-Aid is the best. I mean, clearly grape is. Fox 2 News interviewed a neighbor that witnessed the argument. Here is what he had to say. I've lived across the street from these two for a little over five years now, and they are always arguing about something ridiculous. One man claimed that the grape flavor Kool-Aid was the best. So That man was correct. He agreed with you. And the other man said cherry was the best. Oh, I forgot about cherry. This shouting match went on for almost three hours until finally the grape flavor lover took out a gun and shot the cherry flavored lover right in the face. I saw the whole thing and was laughing pretty hard up until the point where he was shot in the face. That, yeah. That wasn't funny. Is anybody else here closing their eyes and imagining the Kool-Aid guy breaking down the wall going, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> that's his first thing as soon as he said Kool-Aid that hit me. It was like, do you remember those commercials? Yes, I did. I do want to just say that a man lost his life because the other man didn't agree with his love of that particular Kool-Aid flavor. That's... Definitely a triple D. That, oh, 100%. I, I can't Don't ever question that. that grape is not the best Kool-Aid I, I flavor. I guess not. I would just agree to disagree or just say, okay, you're right. Once I saw a gun, I'd be like, whoa, dude, the grape is the best. <laughs> I just can't even imagine I this. And they were friends, you said. Yeah. Wow. These are all three. Dimwits, dipshits, and douchebags in Abs- that one. Absolutely. Thank you for sending that in. That was a good one. I didn't see that. This one's good, too. This one was sent by Victoria. So thank you, Victoria. Thank you, Vicky. Oh, oh, he went there. I did. I'm going to assume if Victoria, she probably goes by Vicky. If she doesn't, she's now unsubscribed. Oh, (laughs) I think Victoria is a beautiful name. That is a very prestigious name. I love that. And Vicky is a cute little nickname, too. But I don't know if she likes Vicky. Let us know. Let us know. 
So many of us have pets that we absolutely adore. We do know how much Mark loves Sophie the Crime Kitty. That uh, There's nothing in this world I love more than Sophie the Crime okay, Kitty. Okay, so I want you to keep her really close in your mind when you listen to this. Okay. The saddest thing about our pets is that they don't live forever. And it's heartbreaking Ugh. every time they pass away. Philip Joseph, a Florida man, loved and needed his dog so much that he decided he had to live forever. Philip knew there had to be someone that could make this happen, so he searched for a person that could make it happen. The lucky fellow was Ryan Lockhart, a scientist from the University of South Florida. Philip kidnapped the confused scientist and held him captive, deciding <laughs> what his next steps would be. I mean, I get it. I can't say that. I, would, I don't understand where his heart is. I understand is. where his heart is. Ryan was probably freaking out and knowing that it wasn't something that it could be done. So he's probably like, I, I can't do this. This guy wants me to do something I can't do. Thank goodness the scientist was found before anything bad happened. Luckily for Philip, no charges were pressed because it was all just a misunderstanding. That was nice that Ryan didn't press charges. Well, he also knew that this guy was a dimwit. Exactly. Because he's, well, uh, I, 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 it's hard to like be on the side of a criminal, but he didn't want to lose his pet. I I, I'm thinking about his Sophie right now. So listen, Philip had this to say to a reporter. I just get anxious when I think my dog is going to die someday. He's all I have. I can't let him die. That would make me kind of sad. Kind of tearing up over here. Right? It's his best friend. Ugh. Dimwit, though. I know. There's, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I get, I get the anxiety, but I don't know. A little strange. You are. Hey. We all are a little strange, hey. though. All right. I have one more. Okay. <laughs> this one is really good, <laughs> I think. A September morning in Wisconsin, an off-duty police officer was out for a jog when he interrupted something very odd. Apparently, a couch had been left outside a Waukesha nightclub on the curb. The couch wasn't the odd part. The officer noticed a 46-year-old man bent over the couch. At first, the off-duty officer thought the man was having sex with someone on the couch as the man's hips were thrusting vigorously. Oh, boy. Yeah. When he got closer, he realized it wasn't a person the man was having sex with. It was the couch itself, Mark. Uh... That's not how that uh, works. Allegedly. Sorry, allegedly. Allegedly. Poor couch. I mean, it was leather. Maybe he couldn't resist. <laughs> Ew. That doesn't make it any better. I don't know. Maybe he's attracted to leather. This guy's a douchebag. <laughs> the officer yelled, what are you doing? Did he actually have it like out? Like, Hold it? on. Hold on. Okay. I have questions. <laughs> the man and his erect dinky took off running. <laughs> he was arrested the next day at his workplace. Can you imagine explaining to your boss, hey, um, I might have had sex out in public on the side of the road with a couch. So that's why I'm arrested. <laughs> See, now I'm not saying. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You know, attorney Mark over here, <laughs> I would describe it differently. I'd be like, boss, I came out the club last night and you should have seen this lady. She was smooth as leather. <laughs> I could not resist. Mark, you have the best excuses. Hey, I could not resist, boss. You get it. Like the cop showed up, caught me mid act and I took off. <laughs> what was I to do? I left her there. 
I left her there. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about perspective, Charity. She was a large rectangular woman. No, you don't even have to say that. Oh. You just have to say, I already said it. She was smooth as leather. Oh, God. Let except your mind that, do the walking. Except that this was daylight in the morning. Yeah. He had a long, busy night at the club. Oh. You never come out of a club when it was still light out? That's true. You've never lived, Charity. Oh, my God. I can't handle you. I should have been an attorney. You should have been. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Speaking of that, I have, are you done with yours? Yep. All right. I have an impromptu Ooh! case watch court. Oh, I can't wait for this. So this happened with some of my friends. <sighs> and I'm not an, I'm not a, a, a drinker of alcoholic beverages anymore. So I have no skin in this game. Okay. Lay you out the scenario. I had to change it up a little bit because I don't really need my friends to say, hey, you were talking smack about us on your your little podcast. So if you go to your friend's house. Okay. They're having a party and you're like, oh, I want him to try this new liquor that I have. Let's say it's like a $400 bottle of whiskey. Okay. And now you go there and you're hanging out and you whip out that bottle and you let your buddy have you know, a little bit to try it out because you just bought it and you're super excited. Does that bottle now belong to the party? No. Or does it go home with you? I mean, I wouldn't bring alcohol to a party and expect it to come home with me. This is your friend that you wanted to try this brand new whiskey. That's like 400 bucks. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? I honestly think that I, but I'm a guy who will bring my box of pizza back with me when I leave. So like you're asking the wrong cheapskate. Here. That's awesome. Like if I get delivery at someone's house, the rest of that crap's going home with me. It's like lunch for tomorrow. So I'm asking the wrong person. That's why I'm bringing it to the court. Oh, okay. Well, guys, let us know what you think. I mean, that is a pricey thing. I, what I would do. Oh, is there a price limit then? No, no. You know what I think I would do if I brought any. Any type of alcohol to a party. It's going it to be Milwaukee's best. And if it was alcohol <laughs> that I was expensive or I thought was expensive and I just wanted my friend to just try it, I would pull the friend aside and just say, here you go. What do you think? And then I'd put it back in my car. But here here lies the problem. It was the friend who was like, oh, I thought that's staying with me. You brought it here. Oh, well, so, that's kind of weird. There's too. layers. That's kind of weird. 
So I guess, I don't know. What do you think? I Let mean, us know. Like a $400 present just because? I don't know. I don't even give out $400 worth of presents combined in a year. Are you kidding me? That's what I mean. So I don't know. I don't know. Everyone has an opinion on this, I'm sure. Opinion. I want to hear your opinions, people. Guys, send us your opinions. Yes. Email info at casewatchpodcast.com. Text the voicemail line 603-212-4600. Let us know. I honestly think that ball will go back home with you. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. But I'm a cheapskate, so I need other assistance. Um, hey, Mark, can I bring something up? Sure. So our crime creeps are doing amazing, leaving us five stars on Apple. Oh, my God. I saw a couple of these ones this week. They were awesome. So good, guys. Keep it up, please. You are doing such a good job, and we appreciate it more than you know. We know it's a pain in the butt to leave a review. Of course it is. And honestly, I don't use Apple Podcasts to listen to my podcast. Right. I don't. Nobody really does. Right. But Apple is how podcasts are rated. That's how people discover your show. And that's the best way you can support us. Yeah. That's all we ask this week. Leave us a five-star review. Say whatever you want. What should we have the people say this week? Uh, team charity, of course. No, I'm looking at Charity's shirt, and it says, that's what she said. Oh, yeah. I, have- I want five-star reviews that say, yeah. that's what she said. Yeah. Michael she has Scott. her Michael Scott shirt on. I like She wears that. that just for me. I do. He finds uh, it funny. I love it. That's my favorite line. I say that line more than anything in the world. He does. He has to. We have to edit it out because he says it so much. I do say it on the show a lot. Yes. Sometimes he just can't help himself. I look at him and I'm like, it's coming. Here we go. <laughs> I still have your mess up from the beginning of the show where you're just like, that's what she said. <laughs> I still I, I put it on the podcast once in a while still I as can't. an outtake. That's awesome. All right, guys. We appreciate you sticking around. Let's get today's case. Charity, what do we have today? We're going to be talking about Dean Arnold Coral. Coral? Like the way uh, they say Carl's name on Walking Dead? Yeah. Coral? C-O-R-L-L. Oh, so that's not Carl, though. Okay. Coral. Coral. All right. He Excellent. He is also known as the Candyman. Oh, that freaks me out. Mm-hmm. Dean Coral was born in Fort Wayne, Indiana on December 24th, 1939. How sweet. He was born on Christmas Eve. A gift to the world, Mark. Yeah, I would hate that. A gift to the world, but not. <laughs> See, I can't comment because I don't know. The home was said to be filled with constant arguing and fighting. His parents, Mary Robinson and Arnold Edwin Coral, got divorced when he was just an infant. They would remarry after World War II. So they got divorced and then got remarried. I don't understand that. I don't either. A couple of my friends' parents did that, too, when I was growing up, that they got back together and they got divorced and they got back together. So I had uh, a childhood friend whose parents got divorced they were divorced for like 10 or 15 years, living their separate lives, dating other people. One even had like a live-in boyfriend for a while. They got back together and they are happier than they've ever been. And they have been together for like, I can't even tell you how many more years now. That's got to be like the 1980s version of Facebook. Right. We all have those people that, that overshare and like break up with their boyfriends yeah. like 18 different times in a week. Yeah. I hate him. I love him. I hate him. I love him. That's like the 80s version of it. So times really haven't changed. That's true. Dean would have one younger brother named Stanley and their father did not provide them with a secure home. He seemed not to like the boys at all and would punish them for the smallest things. And he's their actual father. Yeah. It basically sounds like he was really annoyed that he even had kids. I hate that. Yeah, me too. Mary and Arnold would separate again in 1946, and this time it was for good. So they realized why they got divorced in the first place and were like, peace. They were like, see ya. See ya. 
You actually do see it better than me. I do? You did. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Thanks, you know, Mark. I did it really good, Christopher, last week. Christopher did it really good. Yeah, he Christopher did good. was a delight. Absolutely. Guys, not to hijack the case, that's but fine. if you have something like this that's happened in your life or you're very familiar with the case, reach out to us and you can be a part of the show too, just sure like Christopher could. was. Sure could. Dean's father pretty much disappeared from his and Stanley's lives, leaving his mother to work long hours to support her family. What a dirtbag, huh? Yeah, I, I hate people like this. that. His mother would take the children and move to a base in Memphis, Tennessee. Since Mary was at work for such long hours, her boys would be watched by different sitters. Sounds like there was really no stability at the time, as the boys were being raised by a variety of people. So I don't think it doesn't say anything about them being abused or anything. It's just kind of like they were latchkey kids and or they had people just... You know, yeah. she paid people to watch them because the poor thing had to work all these hours. So it wasn't intentional that it wasn't super. <sighs> I Yeah. It's not a great way to grow up, though, it's either. It's not. It's not. Dean was a very quiet child that didn't want to approach other children. He was, like, afraid to approach other children, even though he wanted to. Like, he would w- watch them play and, like, be wanting to have fun with them, but would be afraid, too shy, kind of, to go over and say, hey, can I join in type of thing. I'm in that phase of the story where I don't quite know if Dean's a good guy yet or bad guy. So it's like, I don't want to comment on him. It's so weird that you so just said like, that because mm-hmm. my next sentence is, I'm going to go ahead and say it again. I feel bad for Minnie Dean. I do feel bad for Minnie Dean. Okay. Big Dean. No. Is Big Dean a total douchebag? Well, I'm going to just let, keep reading on. Okay. It was discovered in later years that he had an undiagnosed rheumatic fever as a child. The Google machine says rheumatic fever is a disease that can result from inadequately treated strep throat or scarlet fever. Oh, wow. Yeah. It causes inflammation, especially of the heart, blood vessels, and joints. Because he was at one point afflicted by this disease, he was left with a heart murmur. In 1954, Dean would attend Vider High School. Vider or Vider. Sorry, guys, if I screwed that up. He joined the band and he played the tambourine. This was the only activity he enjoyed doing. He was interested in sports, theater, etc. All right, I gotta ask: Is a tambourine the round thing? Yeah, it's like the thing you like. It's like a drum top, but like, like yes, like symbols around yeah, it, like, like little jingles. drum things. Yeah, okay, I think that's sad that I didn't know that. Well, you know it happens. In 1955, Mary married a man named Jack West, and they opened a little candy company. Pecan Prince was the company's name, and both Dean and his brother worked there. Their responsibilities were to make the candy and put it into little packages for their stepfather to sell. It was said that Dean used to, quote unquote, buy new friends by handing out free candy. That's kind of sad, huh? Yeah. He was like, oh, I got all this yummy candy. On the pecan prince over here. Exactly. I guess this little candy business took off and became very lucrative for the family. After Dean graduated from high school, his family would move close to Houston. He would live there for about two years, then move to Indiana to live with his grandmother. She lived on her own, so I'm not sure if he, if it was like suggested he moved there to help her um, or if he just wanted a change. So I think she became a widow, uh, so she would live by herself. She must have been— Probably went out to help her, I would assume. I, th- I think so. The family probably said, hey, go do a good deed. After living with his grandmother for two years, Dean would be needed back to help the family candy business. This was in 1962. The very next year, his mother, Mary, would divorce his stepfather. I'm sure this was another adjustment. So from what I read, it sounded like his stepfather actually acted like a father to his stepchildren. And that was stable, right? Even though you're older, 
it's still nice still to have nice to have somebody that you can look to right. and talk to. Right. So now he's gone. So his mother, now single, decided to open her own candy business. After all, she was really good at it. Dean was made vice president of the Coral Candy Company, but would only do so until 1964 when he was drafted into the United States military. Do you think this how left Twix and white right Twix happened? Oh, they separated. Yeah. Maybe. They only come together to package. Well, I mean, when you watch it on TV, the commercial, it is yeah. two completely different candy factories. Absolutely. And, I, and I'm sure that's exactly what in real life it is. I think that's what happened here. I think you're right. Dean absolutely hated being in the military so much that he would ask for a hardship discharge, saying he was needed to help his mother run the candy business. He would be honorably discharged in June of 1965. He has said that while he was in the military, it became clear to him that he was attracted to men, leading him to believe he was gay. So, you know, he's discovering who he really is. He's kind of sounds like maybe he's more coming into his own. I don't know. Back to Texas, he went to resume his position of vice president of the candy company. He would continue to pass out candy to all the children in the neighborhood. This is how he got the nickname, quote unquote, the candy man. That movie freaks me out, by the way. I will never, to this day, look in a mirror and say that name. That never. movie does not freak me out. You have issues. <laughs> Big ones. Unfortunately, Coral Candy Company wouldn't do as well as the other candy company, and it would have to be closed. Um, Maybe it was all the free candy Dean was giving away instead of selling. That could be it. <laughs> right? I mean, how much candy? Like, how many friends did he want? And he's he's an adult now. That's odd. He's Handing candy out to Buying candy kids. with friends. He's a, Although he, I am sitting over here eating uh, Reese's eggs, so yeah, I mean, I, he is my my friendship could be bought, people. Yeah, you know what? If Mark was around this time, he might have been friends with Dean. Absolutely, just for the candy. I don't know. His mother would move to Colorado for a fresh start, and Dean decided to train to become an electrician. He turned thirty in 1969 and suddenly became depressed. Maybe he was sad, he was alone, or afraid to tell anyone that he was gay. That's kind of my thought, because like back in the day, like we've said, unfortunately. I'm glad know. we've grown as a society. Me too. I really am. Me too. He decided it would be an amazing idea to hang out with teenage boys. So going back to when he was a, a boy or a child, and he was afraid to approach other kids his age, maybe in his mind he was a, it wasn't was afraid to approach men his own age. I don't know. I don't, yeah, it's odd. I don't really know, but you'll find out more. He was living in an apartment in Houston at the time and would get the boys to come to his place, promising really fun activities such as paint and glue sniffing, you know, a big thing back in the day, and I'm sure any alcohol that they wanted. So he provided the party home. Yeah, I okay. see where this is going. So, you know, the cool dude back in the day that gave them a place to... To act out and do bad things. He's that guy. He's not cool. Do you remember the movie Dazed and Confused? I keep getting older. <laughs> girls stay the same age. It's like Matthew McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey was right here in the room. Exactly. Yep. He would meet David Owen Brooks and Elmer Wayne Henley during this time. And the three became the bestest of friends. Together all the time. Dean would begin to enjoy bondage with these young boys and would engage with them sexually. In 1970, Dean would pay David off with a car for his silence. David entered the apartment, as he did many times, and saw that Dean was naked and had two naked boys strapped to a homemade torture device. Uh, yeah, there's an issue. When caught, he quickly let the boys free and offered up the car. David took the deal. 
Oh my god. Mm-hmm. You're oh, you're a douchebag too. Just wait. You have Ugh. no idea. No idea. So let's get into the murders. Sex and bondage were just the start. Soon, Dean would advance to rape, torture, then murder. His first known victim was an 18-year-old boy named Jeffrey Conan. Jeffrey was walking along on September 25th with his thumb out. Dean pulled up and offered him a ride. Just like many other of our stories, the teenager probably just thought it was a nice guy being a good Samaritan, especially back at this time. Lots of hitchhiking. There's a bunch of hitchhiking in the, in the 1970s. In the 80s, too, when I was younger. It's true. I hitchhiked. I picked up hitchhikers. Oh, did you? Yes. I, oh, I, oh, God, my dad would kill me if I ever did that. I mean, I grew up in Claremont, New Hampshire. Not oh, much happened true. over there. We were a small town. That's true. I, w- I was told to never do that. Yeah, it's probably not a smart idea. Not to like sidetrack here, but there's that meme that goes around Facebook that was like, I'm, su- I'm surprised you picked me up. How did you know I wasn't a serial killer? And then it's like, the likelihood of two serial killers being yes. in the car at the same time is yes. highly unlikely. I love that. That one always cheers me up when me I see too. that. One. I'm not sure how he talked Jeffrey into going to his apartment, but he did. And before he knew it, he was strapped to the homemade torture board. He was strapped and sexually tortured in the most horrible of ways. So he was securely in place and couldn't move. Uh, This is horrible. It's so bad. So bad. Then he was shot and killed. That's like insult to injury. Yeah. He he puts these, these boys through this horrible, horrible, horrible torture. And if that's not bad enough, he kills them. Unbelievable. His body would be brought to a boat shed Dean rented in southwest Houston. This would be one of his dumping sites, for lack of a better word. It was said that David not only helped him dispose of his victims' bodies, but also delivered victims, getting paid $200 a head. How nice, right? This guy's a scumbag as well. You know, he makes good money working. He got a car, he gets 200 bucks a head. Well, and, and, and you know, Dean makes good money with his job. So, you know, he has the money to give him so he can bring him these boys. The boys slash men ranged in ages from as young as nine. Oh, my God. To the oldest being 21. The next two victims were James Glass and Danny Yates. He found the two boys in the neighborhood called Houston Heights. Many of the victims were found in the Heights, as it was called. This neighborhood was in a bad part of town where many runaways would go. So he did this on purpose. Because, you know, like in a lot of the cases, you'll see um, it's it's runaways or prostitutes. They hunt for people that they know are not being actively looked for. Exactly. Many of these boys slash men, mostly boys, would already be marked as missing by their families when they originally ran away. The community was extremely upset with law enforcement for not looking into the missing boys. The police at the time just assumed they were runaways, so disregarded many of the reports. That's sad. It is horrible. That's really sad. If they hadn't done so, maybe Dean could have stopped earlier and many wouldn't have lost their lives. Because as we go on, it gets really bad. Oh, boy. Fair warning, people. You heard it here. It's going to get worse. And this, this still happens present day. Oh, yeah. And it's it's... Very, very, very frustrating and makes me extremely angry. Well, they say right now, not to get into anything political or anything like that, they say right now with what's going on in the world and all these people trying to seek asylum, that a lot of them are being unknowingly put into this industry. Yeah, the, I know. It's so sad. It's so sad. We, th- we, we've we talked about we want to get into that. Yes. Definitely. If you are missing, you are missing, right? Yeah. 
that's that's should be the point. Every, it shouldn't matter if you're a runaway or every life matters, and I think sometimes we forget that we put some people's lives above others. And every life matters the same. Nobody is different I, in that aspect. That's just the way I feel. Me too. Mark, do you digress? Because I digress. I digress. <laughs> Why do I like that word? Sometimes? I don't know, but now I say it because it makes you giggle. <laughs> These two boys hopped in Dean's van. That's right. He drove a creepy-ass white van. Oh, man. Yeah. It's like the thing that warned us about our whole childhood. Don't get in the van. And he's one of the reasons why. A lot of those vans used to, yeah, they were white. They would have all the windows blocked and there'd always be this like one weird oval window Yep, that was cut into the side of the van. It's Ooh, just like, the chills. I remember these things. Ooh. Well, they headed to the sex slave apartment. We'll get into exactly what police found in that apartment a little later. Oh boy. Yeah. And it wasn't that apartment because as we'll see, he, he jumps around to different ap- apartments. But again, I digress. They were, of course, violently sexually assaulted while being pinned to the board. He then, of course, killed them. His favorite method of killing was to shoot and kill or to strangle the victims. David jumped to the task and buried them in the boat shed. Which, that's very odd because that's ranging from quick exactly. to drawn out. Because I, we've said it before, strangling somebody is a very up close and personal and the movies don't do it any justice. It right? takes a while. I know. It seemed as if Dean was on a roll, having his way with these boys, torturing them and killing them and not getting caught. He also had the control of his BFF, David. The next poor souls were brothers Donald and Jerry Waldrop. Oh my God, that poor family. Not yeah. one, but two children killed in this horrific manner. Oh, God. The vile man followed his MO and the boys were raped, tortured and then strangled. Their lifeless bodies went off to the boat shed with the others. Between August and September of 1971, there were three more victims that suffered the same fate as the others. Their names were Rodell Harvey, David Hilgeist, and Gregory Malley Winkle. Three more boys lost their lives in the same way as the others that year. So he's just, you know, going, killing, disposing. David's disposing them for him. Doing it like it doesn't even matter. No, it's it's like heartless, completely yeah. heartless. 1971 is also the year Wayne would enter the equation. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. His actual name was Elmer, as we stated in the beginning, but his middle name, Wayne, is the name he goes by. Okay. David brought him to Dean as his next victim. But instead of raping, torturing, and murdering him... The bastard offered him $200 a head, you know, the same deal that David had, to deliver the boys to him. Unbelievable. He was told the boys would become white slaves. Wayne accepted the deal and was off and running. I'm not sure why he thought this was okay. Like, yeah. What? Why? I don't understand. <laughs> there's, there's so many things I don't understand about there's this. There's so story. many things that I don't understand since we started doing this podcast. Uh, true. <laughs> Very, 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 very good point. Yeah. (laughs) 
The first boy he delivered to the apartment was in 1972. His name was Willard Branch, found at the Heights, of course. Next would be Frank Aguar. This makes me sick. Yeah. How many are we up to at this point? This is ridiculous. At the end, I give the list of all the known victims. but And you know there's got to be way more. There's got to be. Wayne soon realized that the boys were being raped, tortured, and killed, all for Dean's own satisfaction, not to be given off as slaves. But what do you think is going to happen to them as white slaves? I know. Here's a, uh, I just and they, like, this is, this is, was kind of a discovery to you. Like, yeah. What, what makes this better than the other? <laughs> you would think this would deter him, but nope. He carried on. Guess the money was more important to him than another human being's life. And that is just disgusting. I'm sorry. Well, I have a question. Where does this guy get all his money? Because back in the day, that's quite a bit. I don't know. That's a question I have to look up. Yeah. Well, he has he had a job as a, an electrician, right? Yeah, but still, he's giving how much per person? $200 a head. And we've counted off a ton of names. That's so true. that's a lot of money back in the 70s. It well, really is. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. Probably afraid of being caught by his suspicious acts and people noticing maybe that there's like a bunch of young teenage boys hanging out by his van and in his apartment. He would move into more than one apartment in more than one neighborhood. So he popped around because he was afraid, like, if they was in one neighborhood for too long, yeah. the neighbors would say, hmm, that's interesting. But that's that these, sketchy in itself, too, what he's doing now. That these kids are going in and they're not coming Yeah, out. that's very odd. Right? With his two accomplices, this pedophile was able to rape, torture, and kill 10 boys. This was during the short time period from February 1972 through November 1972. What is wrong with these boys, these other boys, the ones that are yeah. helping him? I can't grasp how he was able to drag them into his scheme and have them to do these unspeakable things. Like, how? I don't understand. It's almost like psychopaths find psychopaths. I guess. Like, they must give off like this... Uh Beacon, kind of like Batman does. Like, oh, we need you over here. This has got to be what it's like. I wonder what the symbol would be for that. A ginormous douchebag. Oh, I like that. There we go. Five of the ten boys' bodies were buried in his boat shed, and the other five were buried at High Island Beach. The shed must have been getting a little too full. Yeah, that's a a weird problem to have. Gross. How did nobody else notice this, though? That's what I don't understand. I don't know. For some reason, this absolute monster decided to take a break for about five months. This would be between February and June of 1973. This rest would just make him more evil and vulgar when he would return to his acts. In a very short time, he would brutally rape and brutally violate and torture two two teenage boys. These boys would be buried at Lake Sam Rayborn. He must have felt that he had to start spreading the bodies out due to the number of killings that were taking place. Ugh. My God. This is odd. It, to say the least. They, I just, in so many cases, like you said, that he's got these two accomplices that are just super willing to help. Yep. And he ha- they have to watch the news. They got to know what's happening to all these people, like we said before, and they don't care. Oh, How, they, they, I'm sure yeah. they witnessed it. Well, once, That's well, we'll find out later. what but, I was wondering. Yeah. Yes. Wayne became the one and only right-hand man in July of 1973. David was MIA for the month. I read in a few places that he went and got married. Oh, I wonder boy. if he told his new wife all the horror he had seen and was part of. Yeah, this new little side job I have. Probably not. Wayne carried on hand delivering three more boys the same year. God, it was like a mur- it was like a murder factory. Yeah, 
seriously. Like, oh, here's another, here's another, here's another. And don't worry, guys, David was back at it by 19, by August 1973 and delivered a 13-year-old boy to Dean. Oh, what a scumbag. The boy's name was James Drumala. The same M.O. would be used just like on all the other boys. After being raped and tortured, the sicko strangled him with a cord and buried his body at the notorious boat shed. Wow. Luckily, James would be the last victim. Thank the good Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. August 7th, 1973 started out as a normal day. Wayne, still just 17 at the time, was out and about searching for Dean's next victim. He befriended 19-year-old Timothy Cordell Curley and talked up the newest apartment. All this must have sounded so good to Timothy because he went along to party just like many of the other boys. Timothy and Wayne drank lots of alcohol and sniffed lots of paint all day until about 12 a.m. at the Pasadena residence. They then decided they were hungry, so they left the house to go get something to eat. After eating, they drove back to the Heights and parked the car near the home. They would come across Rhonda Williams, a 15-year-old neighborhood girl that had left her house early that morning because her drunk father had beat her up. So that's just sad in of itself. That's horrible in itself, yeah. Wayne started talking to her, kind of like flirting, and asked if she wanted to stay the night at Dean's until her father sobered up. He probably thought he was going to get some. Yeah, what a scumbag. Yep. The two boys and Rhonda entered the home at about 3 a.m., August 8th, 1973. Wayne took one look at Dean, and he could tell he was pissed. Dean told him, you ruined everything. Wayne explained the young girl's situation and why she didn't want to return home. This calmed the monster a bit, just a little bit, and he offered the kids weed and more alcohol. Why did he ruin everything? I'm confused. Because she's a girl. Oh, oh, I didn't even think of that. Okay. And, and if she's there, what's he get? He can't torture the boy. Yeah. Right? I didn't even think of that. Mm-hmm. All three of them would smoke and drink until they passed out. Wayne woke up to Dean snapping cuffs on his wrists. His ankles were already tied together. Rhonda and Timothy were also both tied up with ropes and bound. So at this point, Rhonda and Timothy are still asleep or passed out. Poor Timothy had been stripped naked already. Oh, boy. The madman told Wayne how infuriated he was that a girl was brought to the house kicking him, then put a gun in his face and told him he was going to kill all three of the kids. Fighting for his life, Wayne did his best to calm the situation and told Dean he would help with Timothy's rape and torture. So this asshat is now scared that he's going to lose his life because he knows what Dean's capable of. Yeah, this guy's a scumbag. Yeah. This seemed to work, and he was released so he could help. Rhonda and Timothy were brought into the bedroom and tied to opposite ends of the bed. Dean told Wayne to take Rhonda's clothes off, instructing him to do the same things to the young girl that he was going to do to Timothy. You know, the sadistic torture, rape, and then murdering. This is horrible. So sad. The two bound and gagged teens woke up from being passed out and started to fight for their lives. During the struggle, Wayne was able to grab Dean's gun and fired it, hitting Dean in the head and the shoulder. The naked man's body fell to the ground. So he was already butt naked, getting ready to do his thing. Ugh. Mm-hmm. After untying Rhonda and Timothy, Wayne called the police and told them he killed Dean. And I guess he was, like, really proud of it. He was like, just killed somebody. Gotta come over here now. He could have been proud if he had stopped this when this first happened. This is what I'm saying. Years before. What, what's different from this? You're free. Yeah. 
you've disposed of dead bodies. Why, why is this the thing that made you? Yeah. I don't get it. Wayne told the police everything and, of course, implicated David as well. He wasn't going down alone. Nope. Not only did police find Dean's naked, dead body in the house, they also found some, quote unquote, other things. Oh, boy. This is where it's going to get interesting. Interesting. The eight feet by two foot plywood was discovered. Holes were drilled in all of the corners of this torture device so that the victims could be strapped down spread eagle. Oh, boy. Wayne told investigators that once the victim was strapped to the board, they would be tortured and molested in all kinds of unspeakable ways. If Dean was particularly attracted to one of the boys, he would keep torturing them for days until he killed them. This is horrible. So sad. Also found a double-sided 18-inch dildo. Ooh. Just hanging out in the open. Like, hey, what's up? Wayne and Dean talked about all kinds of horrific torture, but neither of them mentioned the dildo. I don't even want to let my mind go there. No. Then there was his creepy-ass white van. The van was used to lure these boys. The back windows were covered with dark curtains so you couldn't see in. Like you were, like, saying earlier? Yeah. Ugh. The police found supplies inside, such as rope and handcuffs. There was a crate to sit on and stains on the rug. Ugh. Oh, boy. Wayne and David would say they would spend hours hanging out in the van, lurking around for their next victim. All right, I'm going to need you to get your finger ready. Okay. Ready? Yep. This mother would use glass rods. These rods would be inserted into the victim's penis, <gasps> and the end would be broken off. Oh, my God. These poor boys. So we'd leave the part in there. Oh my God. God, that kind of pain I can't imagine. I, I, uh, my only wow. my only only hope is that these these boys passed out from the pain so that they weren't I just I can't imagine this is my sickening. heart hurts for these boys. What kind of evil person even thinks to do this? How would you even in your brain say, Oh, I'm gonna try this? I I ask myself that a lot whenever my we listen God. to a lot of these cases. My mind just does not work in that sadistic way. No. There were a number of these broken rods found all around the house. So the part that was broken off, he just like, you know, flung, boom, there you go. Ugh. There's, I don't know if there's a word for this one, for this guy. Investigators were also told of how Dean would enjoy plucking out pubic hair as a form of torture while tied to the board. Yeah, that does not sound fun. And my God, the parents of these boys had to hear all about these tortures. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Right? Yeah. Oh, my God. Think of your your child having to go through all of this. I, oh, I couldn't. I know. He talked about one particular victim that tried to break free from the board. This angered Dean so much that he bit the boy's penis. <gasps> Police later found the penis in a bag buried in the boat shed. Sick, 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 sick. I don't know how many sicks I wrote, and they're all in capital. Oh, my God. I'm just looking at her dumbfounded right now. I, I, oh. We know that the victims were killed by gun or strangulation, but Dean enjoyed strangulation the best. More, way more than using the gun. More personal, and it was slower process that would cause more torture. That's my opinion on why he liked that one better. Yeah, this guy is a sadistic a-hole. I wish, I wish that he was tortured and not just shot. 
I wish he was strapped I think to his he own got board. Out of it too, way too easy. I wish he, my my it would have been so amazing if they strapped him to the board and did all the unspeakable things that he did, and then yeah. and then kill him if they wanted to kill him. And I almost feel like his cohort buddy there only turned on him because he saw that it was he was so easily turned on until he could talk his friend out of trying to kill him. Yeah. I really think it's the only reason he shot him. Otherwise, it would have been keep on keeping it on oh for God. God knows how much longer. Um, do you know what I think of Dean? I can't imagine. Uh, one of the things I think of him is that he's just a useless piece of skin. I like that. Don't you like that? I do. Just a piece of skin that was walking around. That was all he was good for. He's a scumbag. Yep. Let's keep in mind that he committed all these murders while still holding a job as an electrician. That's how crazy. How do people do this? How do people do this? It makes no sense to me. David and Wayne showed the authorities where all the bodies had been buried and how they, quote unquote, worked for Dean, disposing of bodies and recruiting victims for him. This was in August of 1973. There were 27 bodies oh recovered by God. authorities. And they think there could be more victims, like even now. Oh, my God. The killings were later named the Houston Mass Murder. Oh, God. Both David and Wayne were convicted for their involvement and sentenced Good. to six consecutive life sentences. Not Thank enough. God. Not enough. It's not enough, but they're never getting out, yep. at least. On May 28th. 2020, David died in a hospital prison after being treated for COVID. Oh, that sucks. I know. Isn't it sad? Yeah, super sad. Do you think they can tell we are completely not sincere with that? I would hope so. I hope so, too. Yeah. Wayne is still incarcerated and doesn't seem to have any regret for taking Dean's life. He was quoted saying, my only regret is that Dean isn't here right now, so I could tell him what a good job I did killing him. What about... Having a little bit of remorse for all of the people that you brought to their demise. Exactly. It's I can't stand people like God. this. Let's end this with a list of the known victims that lost their lives in such a disgusting manner. In 1970, we had Jeffrey Conan, 18, Danny Yates, 14, James Glass, 14. In 1971, Willard, quote unquote, Rusty, Branch Jr., 17 years old. Frank Agar, 18, Mark Scott, 17, John Deloney, 16, Billy Balch, 17, Stephen Sickman, 17, Wally J. Simona, 14, Richard Hembry, 13, Richard Kepner, 19. That was all in 1971. That was a busy year. 1973, Joseph Lyles, 17, Billy Ray Lawrence, 15. Ray Blackburn, 20, Homer Garcia, 15, John Sellers, 17, Michael Tony, quote unquote, Balch, 15, Marty Jones, 18, Charles Carey Cobble, 17, and James Dramala, 13. Now, also let's keep in mind that it said that his victims ranged from nine and the oldest 21. So clearly there's other victims that oh, yeah. we don't have listed here because for whatever reason, their names weren't made known or it was just, they couldn't either identify them or they were buried somewhere that nobody knows where. And who knows how much previous before these people who have alerted the authorities and telling them where all these bodies are, how many people he had already dealt with before then. I know. He was befriending people back years previous. I know. 
This could be huge. I know. Charity, thank you for bringing that case to us. It's so sad that there's people like that in the world. Guys, go ahead and make sure you visit our website for links to all of our merch and stickers. Plus, you can also join the exclusive Crime Creep Club by clicking the Buy Us a Coffee tab, all that and more, www.casewatchpodcast.com. Um, Mark? Yes? They can go over to Instagram and go to charity underscore case watch and see how much I'm beating you by still. See, I wasn't mentioning that today because you're killing me over there. Oh, sorry. Well, I mean, if you want to help me win the battle, I'm at not Mark B. <laughs> So we'll see if we can overcome charity in this. Guys, we'll see you on the next one. Have a good one. Bye, guys. See ya. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.